Mamas. We're so excited that you're joining us today. If you're normally here with us Wednesday mornings, we're glad you're tuning in. And if you're new, we're so happy that you're here with us. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. I hope everyone had a great MEA weekend. Um, The weather was incredible, so we made sure to get outside as much as possible, taking it in, soaking it all in before the cold actually starts. All right, and now we get to move on to our speaker for the day. Um, We're going to introduce Jennifer. Some fun facts about Jennifer. She was confirmed, married, and both of her children were baptized here at CPC. She was an active member of Mom's Morning while her kids were little, so now they're 19 and 22. Um, and she was a figure skater and skated the, with the Bray Moretz synchro team during high school. So, yeah, you too? Oh my gosh, awesome. Well, awesome. Welcome, Jennifer. We're happy to have you. Good morning. The, the weirdest thing for me is that when you say woo for Bray Maretz is I'm like, I'm probably old enough to be your mom, but I still feel the sisterhood. <laughs> and I still feel like I'm sitting in your seats and I feel for you today. Um, I, I want you to know, and Jess could tell you that I stalked you guys just a little bit. Um, last spring, it was, you guys were really put on my heart, probably before you guys even registered for mom's morning this year. Um, I used to sit in your seats. I um, was a big. This program was a big part of my life. Uh, I've spoken at this program before on different topics. And last spring, God just said it's time. It's time to go back. So I called Jess and I'm like, "Do you want a speaker for next year?" <laughs> and and so here I am. But I want you to know that I feel where you're at because, especially on a morning like this morning, whatever it took for you to get here this morning, I know. I told my kids as I was preparing for this, I'm like, you have no idea what it took for me to get there at 9.30 in the morning and get you guys here and checked into childcare. I was usually sweating by the time I was sitting in your seats and trying to digest what was happening around me and trying to take it in. So wherever you're at this morning, just take whatever you can and leave the rest. Please don't let anything I say guilt you or make you feel like you should be doing more because that is not why I'm here, okay? All I want you to do is take a nugget. Take something that is meaningful to you and feels like it will help you along the way and leave the rest behind, okay? And I want you to take that into every part of parenting because we spend so much time trying to be a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better daughter, a better person, and you're perfect. You're perfect just the way you are. Um, you bring so much that you don't even know. And I'm sorry, the tears of my eyes right now have to do with Liz and her story. Um, and because the last time I came to spoke, speak to moms morning, it was to their leadership team. And they had had a loss in their group. And it was a mom who had lost a child. And so to be able to be with that group then and to be with this group now, um, there's a lot of grief in parenting, so we'll, um, there's little grief and, and big grief. So just be this morning and take what you can. Um, a phrase you'll hear me use I took from a friend of mine, I'll talk about it later, but it's acknowledge and release. 
Acknowledge things that you hear, acknowledge things that you see, and let them go if they're not meant for you. God knows what's meant for you and what's not. So let's see if I know how to work this, and then I'll get into what I'm supposed to talk about this morning. There we go. Okay, so I'm going to try to stay on task, and I apologize because I wanted to share so many things. It's going to be too much. So like I said, just listen for the thing that's meant for you this morning. I'm going to start with begin the, with the end in mind. Um, here we go. And then we're going to talk about knowing your child, knowing yourself, knowing your mission. And then we're going to circle back to why beginning with the end in mind matters. So who here has heard of Stephen Covey? Anyone? I'm kind of, okay, a few. Stephen Covey authored a series of books. One of them was Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families, Highly Effective People, The Eighth Habit, lots of things. Highly encouraged, very encouraging reading, very encouraged listening, however you want to take it in. I'd love to spend a day on the whole thing, but today I'm going to focus with Begin with the End in Mind. Um, Stephen Covey's best-known book, has uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, sold more than 20 million copies worldwide since its first publication in 1989. The, auto, the audio version became the first nonfiction audiobook in U.S. publishing history to sell more than one million copies. Covey argues against what he calls the personality ethic, something he sees as prevalent in many modern self-help books. He, propo- he promotes what he labels the character ethic, aligning one's values with so-called universal and timeless principles. So we could spend all day on these principles, but like I said, we'll dive in to begin with the end of mine. What is the end of the parenting journey? First of all, let's clarify, it never ends. My kids are 19 and 22. I know you're nowhere. There's no done, right? But beginning with the end in mind means you're not raising a child. You're raising an adult, okay? That's where this journey is heading. So sometimes... I don't mean that to be in an overwhelming sense. We're not going to sit here and make a plan. Like, let's make a plan. How do we get them from here to 18? That's not it. It's keeping that end in mind because some of the things that we worry about today aren't the big picture things. They're the day-to-day things that will be here today and gone tomorrow. So it's being able to decipher which ones matter in that long haul And how do we create simple strategies so that in the day-to-day moments, in the stress, in the challenges, you've got that to fall back on. You've got some mantras in your head. You've got some messaging in in mind to breathe and to say, this is going to be okay. This is why I'm doing this, and this is where we're going. So the big principle, and again, I'm going to start with this and then we're going to end with this, is what I call the gradual release of responsibility. And I want you to kind of get your own version of this picture in your mind. If you look at the side that says the parent responsibility at age zero, it's everything, right? When your child is born, you're it. Everything that happens to them is because of you. And the challenge is by the time they get to 18, It's got to be all them. How do we get to the point where it's all them? A smooth smooth release of responsibility in the book Childwise, this is one of the references I'll give you, it's referred to as the transition from leading by authority to leading by influence. 
So at the beginning of this journey, you're leading by authority. By the end of it, you want to be leading by your influence on your child. I call this the transition from parenting to coaching. Why am I passionate about this? Why were you guys on my heart? Um, I've seen a lot, right, in parenting journeys, in my own journey and others. And I had a striking experience. And I, I say this, I want to clarify. I'm a messy parent. I'm a controlling parent. I have to fight a lot of my own natural instincts to be a parent. I'm not a perfect or a good parent or any of that. But I had this kind of light bulb moment when I was having dinner. There were six of us. It was me and my daughter and two of her friends and their moms. They skated together. We did life together. We all knew each other quite well. It was kind of like a little family. And we're having dinner. And you talk about like the Goldilocks principle about like too much, too little, and then right in the middle. I'm watching the youngest who was probably at the time I'm going to say she was in ninth grade. And she's just looking through the menu, figuring out what she wants. Her mom's over here. She's figuring out what she wants. My daughter and I, because we both have celiac disease, are kind of looking through the menu together, like what can we eat, what shouldn't we eat, whatever. And her friend, who was in 10th grade at the time, looked at her mom with a sigh and said, what can I eat? When you take that in for a minute, she's in 10th grade. And she looks at her mom, she doesn't even look at the menu, and says, what can I eat? And her mom picked out her meal for her. Without any question, without any hesitation, this is what they do. I love this mother, I love this daughter dearly, they're dear friends of mine. But in this moment, I saw this relationship, and I've watched it breaking over the years. As this mother tried to parent this child right into the cusp of adulthood where this child is trying to run for her life and has resigned herself to, I will do whatever my mother says until I leave her house and then I'm done. And she said those words to me since then because their relationship is strained. And I just, again, that's that beginning with the end in mind where do I need to consciously release so that my child can take their piece of this? So my family, it's kind of fun when PowerPoint does this for you. I put in some pictures and it puts it in this nice little thing. Um, so on the, my daughter, my dear Savannah, at one year old in the little purple dress, everything looks great. At 18, in her senior picture, my son at three months, Ben, in his senior picture, and then last May, uh, my son graduated from the University of Minnesota. He's gainfully employed now. Um, my daughter, Savannah, is a sophomore at the U and having a decent life. And this makes it all look nice, right? This is like that Instagram family post picture, right? Um, so what has this journey been like for us, right? It's been smooth, just like the chart, right? Just, yep, perfect. No, no. So you take away the pretty picture from the PowerPoint, and what you see are those little squiggly lines, right? We start over here, and we kind of go like this, and we go like that, and we go like this, and it doesn't actually end at 18. It keeps going or whatever. So again, I'm not up here because it was smooth. I'm not up here because it was easy because I'm kind of still on the journey. Um, 
I have to insert here that when my kids found out I was coming to speak to you about parenting, they, they, they thought they should have been consulted first. <laughs> um, they, they, they just want to be clear that they did not sign off on this. So just you can, I can put you in touch with them if you want their version of the story. Um, we're going to talk about tools a lot on this. Um, so I want you to picture what's your parenting toolbox, right? And how many tools do you have in it? And so these are a couple of those tools that we're going to talk about. So knowing your child. Knowing your child is also a journey. Um, caring for your child in ways that work for them and for you is really important. And the first step in this is to commit yourself to be forever curious about your child. What makes them tick? Because your job is so intense in the young stages of parenting. You have to be on all the time. And you have to, you know, my famous line was, you guys want to eat again? Like, oh my gosh. It's constant. And so take some time to step back and look at them. What If they're six months old or six years old or 14 years old or 22 years old, what makes them tick? I have a video here. Let's see. Children need to feel safe with us. Really safe. Safe doesn't just mean physically safe. It also means emotionally safe. Safe from being insulted or rejected or put down or humiliated. I heard somebody once say, when my child grows up and gets in trouble, I don't want her to say, oh no, my dad's going to kill me. I want her to say, oh no. I better call my dad. It's so obvious that the most powerful tool that we have as parents is to provide a safe, loving, dependable, emotional space that they can always come home to. Even when they mess up, especially when they mess up. It's a no-brainer. As you can tell, some of my greatest wisdom comes from TikTok, so... Um, but the point is, all along this journey, we need to, we'll talk about knowing yourself and, and knowing when you're bringing your history into the room and your um, stuff into your family and using it for good. We all have a lot of baggage, and the question is, what do we do with it? And so how do we, um, how do we show up for our kids and let go of some of our past? So we had a Mom's Morning speaker one year that talked about giving your permission, yourself permission to grieve. That's rather ironic with this morning. With I mean, obviously, there's big G grief and little G grief, right? There's big G grief like what Liz went through. And many people in this room have gone through big G grief. I lost my stepfather when I was in Jessica's seat. De Deb might remember because she was there for me uh, during that time. We experience big grief, and we have to manage our families during that. But we have little G grief, too. And that's what we thought our family was going to look like, what we thought we were going to be like as a mom, what we thought our child was going to be like. It might be as simple as we expected our child to be athletic. We were going to be that soccer mom or whatever, and they're not. They're in the chess club or they're, you know, whatever. Um, or it might be more profound, like having a child with physical, mental, or developmental challenges that make their paths look different and make our paths as a family look different. 
Um, I was talking to Debbie this morning. She remembers, I always talk, oh, Savannah, my dear Savannah, her path has not been straight. And she has had more health challenges and more physical challenges and not, not, you know, terrible, terrible stuff, but enough that her path always looked a little bit different than her brothers or than other people. And we have to acknowledge that. And remember I said acknowledge and relief, like take a breath. Go, okay, this path is different than I thought. I don't know a single parent who doesn't lament something in their journey. It's not as they expected. Um, and this is where I mentioned my friend Annie Meehan, if any of you have ever heard her speak or seek her out. She's a great resource. Um, and this is her phrase, the acknowledge and release. So always be curious about their personality type, their passions, their interests, their gifts, their stressors. Again, Debbie's over here going, that sounds like life keys. And it was. There was a very powerful program. It's another resource I'll share called Life Keys here. The personality type, what makes your child tick? What makes them unique? This might be things that bring, them, bring you joy or things that drive you crazy. I'll never forget my son when he was probably a year old. We're at the doctor, both my husband and I, because you can do that when you have one child, right? Um, and we're asking the pediatrician, what is wrong with him? Like, we can't get a moment's peace. He is into everything. Like, just to keep this child alive is a full-time job. Like, what he pulls down, I mean, I, um, I had a picture up there with, uh, that I didn't share that there's a, one of those gates, the plastic gates you have in our fireplace that we just couldn't use because he would, the, the fireplace was cleaned out. We didn't use it, but he would climb in it and, and reach up and get all dirty and pull stuff down from like the flue of the fireplace. And I'm like, why, why? And our pediatrician was able to reframe this for us. And he said, what your son has is persistence. And if you can survive this season, it will be a really good asset for him in life. And it is. And it made parenting really challenging. But I could have that mindset. I could reframe that unique part of his personality where I had friends that would set their child down and they would sit there and play with something. You know, they're six months old, nine months old, 12 months old. And my kids, like, in the other room tearing things off the shelf and getting into them. Like, it was exhausting. So I'm going to give you guys like five minutes or less to talk at your table about one thing that comes to mind about your child that makes them unique, okay? So think about that for a second. And then I know this is dangerous because you'll want to chat all morning, but I'm going to give you five minutes to just talk to each other and think about that one thing that makes your child unique that pops into your mind when I say that, okay? Hopefully this sparked a passion in you like I have to just continually be curious about your child and think about them in a new light whenever you can. And on that vein, I think we have another video next. So. Kids are, are born scientists. They're always turning over rocks and plucking petals off of flowers. They're always doing things that by and large are destructive. And uh, <laughs> no, that's what exploration kind of is. If you. You take stuff apart, whether or not you know how to put it back together. This is what kids do. A, an adult scientist is a kid who never grew up. 
That's what an adult scientist does. So what happens at home is the kid reaches in the refrigerator, pulls out an egg and starts juggling it. What's the first thing you do as a parent? Stop playing with the egg. It could break. Put it back. Excuse me, this is an experiment in the material strength of... <laughs> Let the kid find out that when it drops, it breaks. That's, that's, this, this is a physics experiment rapidly turned into a biology experiment, okay? The yolk oozes out, you say, hey, that becomes a chicky one day, okay? Wait, how does this gooey oak become a chicken? Well, that's biology, check that out. And what did the egg cost you, the 20 cents? President of Harvard once said, if you think education is expensive, you should try the cost of ignorance. So we don't have enough parents who understand or know how to value the inquisitive nature of their own kids because they want to keep order in their household. Kids go in into the kitchen and pull out all the pots and pans and start banging on them. What's the first thing you say as a parent? Stop making all that noise. Stop the racket. You're getting the pots and pans dirty. You just squashed an entire experiment in acoustics. So, I'm not worried about kids. People say, what can I do to get my kids interested in science? They're already interested in science. You're the one who's the problem. Almost my entire professional energy is focused on adults because they outnumber kids, they vote, they run the world, they wield opportunities. Kids will be fine. So, again, no guilt trips here about anything. This is simply about finding ways. I mean, did this resonate with anyone? I mean, the put that away, don't do that, right? We spent, I mean, it's our natural. I mean, we have to, to a certain extent. But, and I have to admit, being completely transparent here, this my whole family would attest to. I am not a tidy housekeeper. You will not walk into my house and be like, oh, it's so clean. It's so, no. But at the same time, I'm a control freak. And so I had to find areas that I could allow my children some space to do things. And that was, I had, you know, again, I told you about my son who wouldn't be here today if we didn't constantly have child locks on things and whatever. But I had one cabinet that was pots and pans and Tupperware that it was free game and he could do any time. And I just knew I needed to wash them before I used them, right? So it wasn't a question of trying to keep them clean. It was just uh, finding a way that worked for him and worked for me. So with that, um, caring for your child in all of this. So knowing them and caring for them, respecting their personality type, learning about who they are, engaging in their interests, celebrating their gifts, helping them through the stresses of life, teaching them to know themselves as they, as they grow and mature. So an example here, um, one of my dearest mom friends, I'm not even going to shield her name. Maybe she'll hear this at some point, but she knows the story. Um, three kids, the oldest two are the same age as my kids. So we did life together. To this day, our kids are more like cousins than they are like friends. And their second child, who's the same age as my Savannah, was a little different in personality type than the rest of the family. We kind of joke that he was more like fit in with our family because we're a little bit more introverted, a little bit whatever, and they are a flaming extroverted on-the-go family. That's why we're a good balance for each other. But I just remember Julie with Charlie, and there were a couple behaviors he had when he was really young, you know, maybe to, he would sit there with his little like toy fire truck or whatever and like lay on the carpet and just go like this. 
and just back and forth and back and forth. And this freaked her out. She, neither one of her other children did that. That was not in their wheelhouse. She thought she needed to take him to the doctor because this was an ongoing thing. And I was the one who had to say, he's not broken. He's not sick. He's just an introvert. And you're going to have to learn how to have an introvert in your family. And that was hard for them. Later in life, when he asked for a bathrobe for a Christmas present, this was a foreign concept. Nobody in their family had a bathrobe because they were a, you get up, you get dressed, you eat your breakfast and you're out the door, whatever. It doesn't matter if it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever it is, that's how they, the other four people in their family operate. So a bathrobe was like, why? When would you ever use that? And Charlie probably should have come over to our house and lounge around in your pajamas till noon on a Saturday because that's more our style. So it's good to have other mom friends, other family members that you can check in with and be like, is this normal? (laughs) Because odds are it is. Um, Celebrate their gifts, help them start to create their toolbox of coping skills to deal with life stressors. Um, And I just want to say here, I'm just going to pause for a second. With the increased in youth mental health issues, I think it's really important to let our kids know as they get older, there's always more tools we can put in our toolbox and in their toolbox. Um, We never want them to feel like there isn't another uh, tool to deal with how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, how I'm operating in life, if I'm not feeling good. don't want you to ever feel like that, and I don't want your kids to ever feel like that, um, that you can always overcome it, that there are, there are family, faith, friends, mentors, pastors, teachers, counselors, mental health professionals, all of those bring tools into your toolbox and theirs. And trust me, in our family, we've had to use all of those, every single thing on the list. Um, So um, uh, some resources here um, on your journey, personality type, passions, interests, gifts, stressors, all of those things, some resources I found, Nurture by Nature, and I can have uh, Jess share this PowerPoint with you so you don't have to frantically take notes, but Nurture by Nature is a MBTI-based personality type book about kids, about how to nurture your kids based on their personality type. Another book that I found really helpful um, is called How to Behave So Your Children Will Too. It actually has a questionnaire on page 79 that asks you, it kind of prompts you of things to think like, do you know this about your child? Do you know that about your child? As well as great bits about family climate, using positive feedback and incentives and role modeling. So it's just a great tool. Five Love Languages is always a great resource for any relationship. Um, And find your fit. Keep this one in your back pocket. This is the first one I'm sharing that actually has CPC roots. So some of these authors, there's some real God stuff here. Jane Kesey was a member of this church. Um, She met up with uh, David Stark and Sandra Krebs-Hirsch. So they wrote a book called Life Keys, which I'll talk about. But then she went on to write the teen version of it, which is Find Your Fit. So this is a great resource when your kids get a little older for them to start understanding themselves. Okay. We're going to jump real quick in to know yourself. I'm going to have to crank through this. Um, I want to say again that I believe that you were uniquely created to parent your child, your children, okay? I want you to tell yourself that every single day, no matter how hard it is. You were uniquely created for this child. I know it doesn't always feel like it. Um, I know I always looked around at my parenting peers and thought they knew something that I didn't 
and that I could be doing something better. But things actually got better when I accepted the fact that I had special parenting gifts, and you do too. So know yourself. Personality type, I'm going to give you a sheet to take with you because we're not going to have time to do it today, but it's, um, it's here somewhere. Here it is. Um, maybe, could I ask, would you mind handing it out so they can at least, I'll, I'll just talk about it briefly because I don't want to go too long. Thank you. Um, has anyone ever taken the Myers-Briggs type inventory, the introvert, extrovert thing? So that's what this is. I selfishly like this better than the actual inventory itself because I, it is a self-selection tool. And so I'm just going to share briefly about how it relates to parenting. Um, and how I believe you can find out what your parenting superpower is, okay? Oh, we're gonna listen, to, oh no. Nope, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna do that one afterward, so hang on. Um, so, how many of you would say, either because you've taken the MBTI or because you know that you're an extrovert? Okay, and then how many introverts? Okay, all right, a good even balance. Um, what you'll see here is how that's described in energy. That's where you get your energy. So of course, <laughs> you might all feel like introverts some morning, but the quote used in the personality type chapter in the Life Keys book is implicit in the command to love one's neighbor as oneself is the duty to love oneself. Each soul is valued and loved by God and it's individually your divine image is respected. The secret of mature balance will be to accept ourselves as we are and not to try to imitate others and then to rely on God's grace to build us up to be the best of which we are capable by George Appleton. Um, so the idea here is, and I, I have one of my best friends from high school and from Mom's Morning and everything else used to always say when we went through Life Keys together, but I want to be an extrovert. <laughs> I want to be this. I want to be that. And I think it's just important to surround ourselves by people of different types and different things. So just remembering where your energy comes from and how to feed yourself in, in that type of parenting. It, the tip right there on the sheet, if you're an extrovert, connect with others for diversion and variety. Make sure that you're reaching outside your family. If you're an introvert, be creative in your quest for sil solitude. I can tell you that Blankets and pillows and forts for my kids gave me a lot of peace because I could just chill with them. Um, and so finding those areas for yourself as a mom. Uh, sensing and intuition, this is how you take in information. This is how your child, this is how your husband, this is how everybody takes in information. And the way I summarize it, sensing, you're taking it in through your five senses. You're a pretty literal person. You're, over, you're focused on details and struggle a little bit with imaginative play because you're very realistic and sense, sensing focused. Intuition, it's more about the uh, connections between things. It's more about the um, kind of the big picture. The, if you, I use this as the forest for the trees example. If you look at a forest, intuitives are gonna see the big picture and they're gonna see, oh, look at the beautiful fall colors. 
and a sensor is going to say, I see three birch trees and four pine trees and what, you know, it's, it's just how you process information. Decision-making, thinking versus feeling, not do you think or do you feel. Um, thinkers, the biggest way I would describe this in parenting, thinkers show love through constructive criticism, okay? So if your spouse starts with a critique of something and they're a thinker, they're actually expressing their care, however annoying it might be. Um, if they're a feeler, they're going to start with the caring side and they're going to couch what they say or what you say to your child with something feeling first. And interestingly enough, to a thinker, that feels inauthentic. So if you're a thinker and you feel like people, well, they say this and I don't believe them or I, whatever because they're saying it in soft, fluffy terms, that's a thinking mentality. And it's literally just the way you're wired. Um, so getting to learn a little bit more about that, I can't delve in. We'll have to set up a whole separate time to go into this in detail. But judging versus perceiving, this is a big one in parenting. And uh, David Stark, who I'll you know, talked about, was one of the authors of Life Keys. He would come and talk to us about this in Mom's Morning, which was great. But he's an off-the-charts perceiver, which meant if I asked him to come speak, he was usually a half an hour late, too. But he he would say, yeah, Debbie's texting him on his phone and I'm having a panic attack and whatever else. But, um, but the difference here is that David would stand up here and tell you that parenting is really hard for perceiving parents because perceiving parents, a little bit more fly by the seat of your pants, not big on structure, whatever. And parenting is too structured for a perceiving parent. The kids always need to eat. They always need to nap. They always need to do this stuff. And I'm standing in the back of the room and going, time out. As a judging parent, they never do things when they're supposed to. They never nap when they're supposed to. They never eat when they're supposed to. They never sleep when they're supposed to. So this is just a really good area to be aware of your own nature, how much structure you need to function, and how much structure your children need. This, this was a big one for me and my darling daughter <laughs> because I was always trying to kind of what she would say is box her in with structure because that's what brings me peace. A, a calendar with broken down into 15-minute increments gives me peace because then I know what things are. And to my daughter, it freaks her out. She feels boxed in and trapped. So it's finding those balances. Even as you, this, this started to emerge as when she was a young child. So now I want to talk about how to care for yourself in this. So now we're going to go to the video, which comes after this. That saying that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with takes on a much more literal and real meaning when you understand co-regulation from a nervous system perspective and that their nervous systems are always impacting yours for good or for bad. So what she said was <laughs> that um, she's someone that I listen to on uh, kind of how your nervous system operates. And she talks a lot about co-regulation and how we affect each other in, with our nervous systems. And we have better regulated days and less regulated days, right? And so you're surrounded by unregulated people, right? Little ones. And so how you're regulated matters and how you take care of yourself matters. So what I'll say on that is it First, put on your oxygen mask first, just like they say on the airplane. Take care of yourself. 
I know they say if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy, but I will say if mama ain't healthy, nobody's healthy, okay? Who's your village? Takes a village to raise a child, takes a village to raise a mom. You saw that this morning with Liz's village, right? We all need a village and we don't know where it's gonna come from. She said that too. People step up that you don't expect and people let you down that you don't expect. Your village might be right here. And this was a part of my village. But because I lived in Burnsville and whatever, it wasn't my day-to-day -day village. It was my once-a-week village. It was amazing. But you need a day-to-day -day village. You need a week-to-week -week village. You need a month-to-month -month village. You need, different, you need different people. And make sure you're staying in tune and finding those people. I will also say what you put in your system affects what comes out of your system. That's back to the co-regulation. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to social media for a minute. We call them thumb stoppers, right? What gets your attention when you're scrolling on social media? What do you stop on? There's a reason that my feed is full of cat videos, comedians, self-help gur gurus, and a diverse assortment of content creators because I'm learning to be intentional about what stops my thumb on social media. It wasn't always there. I mean, I can get sucked into the Kardashians as much as anybody or whatever it might be. But I want to be intentional about what I'm listening to, what I'm seeing, and what comes into my body as much as I can. And you heard me use the term I'm learning. Another content creator taught me to stop saying I'm trying. I'm trying implies failure. I'm trying implies work and playing sort of a negative connotation. I'm learning, when you tell yourself that I'm learning something, you're on a journey, you're going somewhere. So I want you to take care of yourself, manage your stressors. My resources here, the Life Keys book, Mother Styles. I have a couple of these on the table if you wanna take a peek. And then of course, just to lighten things up, the movie I Feel Pretty and the movie Shallow Hal, okay? Just for a little lighter. This is about mindset. This is about our mindset really matters. So if you've seen those movies or if you wanna watch those movies. So lastly, we're gonna circle back, know your mission, family values that stick. And we're gonna go back to the beginning here. We're gonna talk about the gradual release of responsibility very quickly, because I know we're kinda out of time here. Um, and I want you to think about creating mental bookmarks, okay? while we talk about this. So my resources here, child-wise, I already mentioned, Parenting with Love and Logic is amazing. Please do not take any book literally because there are things in there that are not gonna work for you, okay? My, I had a friend who read Parenting with Love and Logic, which is all about natural consequences, and there's a chapter in the book about letting your children stay up and determine their own bedtime. It was a disaster. They ended up with a child with like sleep disorders. So find things that work. But what I do love about this book is talking about you don't need to be the judge and jury every day with your child. Natural consequences in the world will teach them more. So your child gets in trouble at preschool or at school or anywhere else. You don't have to ground them when they come home. You don't have to take their phone away when they come home. You don't always have to be the judge and jury. Let the natural consequences of the world teach them this allows you to start moving into the coaching role. This allows you to be like, oh man, that sucks. Gosh, <laughs> you know, I wonder how you do that differently next time. Find opportunities to be the coach as young as possible with your children. The art of raising the adult. 
The goal is to move from authority to influence, parenting to coaching, start with the end in mind. Um, in this process, I want you to think about some encouraging words, thoughts, or messages to help you focus on your family values. Um, on that worksheet there, there's a lot of things that you can think about. Find one thing on there that resonated with you and dig into it. So focus on your family values. Think about this. I'm a child of God uniquely gifted in what? I bring love and joy to my family and friends by what? My parenting superpowers are what? You have them. If you don't know what they are, dig deeper. They're there. Um, if you find this exercise helpful, you can boil it down into some mantras that can help you pause in the challenging moments, breathe, and find your center. Here are some of mine. Mantras that helped me a lot. The one thing that keeps me going, my job kept me going in your seats. My job is to keep my kids alive until they are capable of doing it themselves. <laughs> if you have to have one thing in mind, like nothing else matters, right? At the end of the day, if they're still alive and they're taking them care of themselves, you did your job, okay? I want my kids to use their gifts for good and not evil. Guiding messages in your brain that you can lean on. The short version of one of them is, my kids can tell you, kind and encouraging words. Not only. <laughs> the long version of that is, the world can be harsh. Our household will be safe place where we love and support each other. Short version, we are a problem-solving family. That was more for me than my kids, but I had to keep saying it. The long version, there is no problem too big for you to talk to me about. I've been through more than you know, and it's my job to handle the tough things. That was the message to my kids. I can't guarantee it all um, panned out, but... So, gradual release of responsibility. Keep this in mind for a sense of peace, not a sense of stress. And last, here, another one more video. <sighs> So this one showed up last night from the account Plain Flavored English, and I sat with it for a little bit, and wow, did it really sink in. Your purpose in life is not to love yourself, but to love being yourself. If your goal is to love yourself, then your focus is directed inwards towards yourself, and you end up constantly watching yourself from the outside, disconnected, trying to summon the correct feelings towards yourself or fashion yourself into something you can approve of. If your goal is to love being yourself, then your focus is directed outwards towards life, on living and making decisions based on what brings you joy and pleasure and fulfillment. Be the subject, not the object. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. You are experiencing life. Life is not experiencing you. So thank you for your time. I know I've gone a little bit over, um, and I know you guys probably have to run and get kiddos, but I will hang out. I have some of these books if you want to look at them or if you have questions. I didn't get to do quite as much interactive stuff, but enjoy your parenting journey. Be the parents you were created to be. Love you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we'll see you next time.